This is our next to last James lesson, so uh, get your Bibles out. We're in James chapter 5. I'm going to pray. We're going to look at our passage, read, discuss. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this day. I thank you, God, that we are here. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for James. I thank you for saving him and bringing him into your kingdom and by your spirit having him write this letter. Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn from it all that we need to. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this week, this month, this year to be applying these truths to our lives. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so we're looking at James chapter 5, and last week we did verse 12, now we're ready for verse 13. And we're going to do 13 through 18, supposedly. I think there's a, a lot of confusion about these verses. Let me just read them to you real quick, and then we'll go back and talk about them. James five thirteen through 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. And I'm going to stop right there. So, <clears throat> before I even talk about it, can you see a lot of potential, potentially confusing parts to this passage? Anybody? Anybody want to name some that could be potentially confusing? Yeah. Yeah? Is that an across-the-board thing all the time? How does that work? What's going on here? Okay. I think some other ones will pop up as we talk about it. Let's start off with verse 13. Anyone among you suffering? And this word that's translated suffering is a word that's not talking about sickness or illness, but it's talking about specifically uh, suffering produced from hardship. Which, does that connect with what we've been hearing in James all the way back to the beginning? Are these the people going through hardship? Yeah, okay, so this is a suffering. So if they're suffering, it says, let him pray. James' response is not grin and bear it, right? It's also not lash out against the persecutor or source of the problem. It's important as well. But rather to talk to one who is in control of all of this, which is God. Um, one of the commentaries I had, the Ben Witherington one, he re referenced somebody else named Alfred Plummer, and he brought up this idea that w what do we do, and he didn't say he's across the board right, but he, he said, I think that he's got a point. There's a point here. Think about the last one, the oaths, let your yes be yes, your no be no, and this Alfred Plummer had this idea of, hey, this is not meant to just be a, like when, when we're having issues, we're having problems. I mean, think about how ways that we deal with things. I swear I'm gonna, right? 
Isn't that what the last one was just talking about? And then here, and in fact, I want you to look at that next part of that. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing praise. Honestly, I want you to think about it this way. Oh, the Inglesbees, they decided to come over here. They didn't want me to strain my neck. You guys are feeling alone over there, weren't you? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm move my podium over here, too. Um, uh, <clears throat> lost my train of thought. So I, I thought it was interesting to think about this verse in this way. Things are going bad. You know what you should be doing? Get with your community and pray. Now, there's a community aspect here. It's not just pray in general. You see that by the next verse talking about the elders. You, I mean, you see this across the board. James so much is talking about this. And I thought this was so awesome to think about this verse this way. Things are going bad. You should, where should you be? Here. Praying. Things are going good. Where should you be? Here. Singing praise. Right? There's a community piece to this that... If you, and I, I think this is true with a lot of James, if you skim through James too quickly and you don't read it with a, a big picture mindset of the teachings of Scripture, the whole counsel of the Word of God, it would be easy to just ignore church altogether and just say, hey, things are, things are bad. I mean, and now there is that truth to it as well, isn't there? I mean, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and things are going bad and you're suffering, should you pray right there? Absolutely. But don't miss that there's a bigger context here as well, that as a community, that's what we should be doing together. So if we're suffering, things are bad, and we've got some suffering going on, what should we do? Pray. Come, you should be here, right? Good, bad, get here. <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, I want to go to the next verse because that one gets to some potential confusion. But any thoughts on verse 13 before we move on? Any Comments, thoughts? Yeah. That's what I was thinking about the first part, that especially if you're suffering, <clears throat> let him pray. I, I, I have a lot of people that I deal with, even as believers, that as soon as there's something that goes on, they immediately go into problem solving mode. Mm. And I'm guilty of this too, because as a manager, you kind of do that. You, your job is to just be creative, think outside the box, and fix whatever's wrong. You don't dwell on the problem. Yeah. And this kind of flies in the face of that a bit where you basically have to step back and say, okay, I can't go there first because I don't have the wisdom. Mm-hmm. I have to stop. I have to pray first because all wisdom comes from above. Yeah. What do we do? Here's what we, yeah. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of that to a degree. I mean, just jumping right into problem-solving mode instead of just taking those moments. Um, the, the flip side of this coin, I always think it's interesting. So at the school, right, working with a bunch of pagans. <laughs> May have to cut that out of the recording. Um, or maybe I should leave it in. I don't know. Uh, so it's interesting to me, there's been this progression, and it's not a direct progression, it's kind of a slow progression. It used to be something bad is going on, suffering, people would say, 
let's, we should pray about that. I'll pray for you. Could you pray for me? All those things, right? And then at some point in my, in my lifetime, maybe a little bit before, but in my lifetime, something snuck in there, a little partner to pray. Anybody know what it is? What, go, what goes with prayer so often now? I don't, don't think church, think just in general in the world. What do people say? What is it? Yeah, thoughts and prayers, right? So, so uh, our, our thoughts, let's, give, let's send them our thoughts and prayers, okay? All right. I've noticed lately, the last few times, like I'll get these emails and, and you'll have more and more people that, guess what's starting to fall off of that list? No. <laughs> yeah, the prayers, right? And in fact, I, I had one the other day and I, I don't remember who it was from, but I, I just remember reading it and sitting there going, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, they, they said, I appreciated the thoughts. I really felt them coming through. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, you, we're, we're sending thoughts to people and that's what's happened. What, what are they saying? Like God is out of it. We're not praying to an almighty God to come into and intervene, that God that's in control of the situation. We're just sending you some good thoughts and we hope you get those good thoughts. Like I'm gonna, what is it? Telepathy? What are, they, what are they saying, actually? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous when you think about it. But they're like, I actually had an, an email the other day. I think I've had a few, but this one just stuck out to me because I was in class, and I was sitting there checking my email real quick, and, I, and it's like, so much appreciate all the thoughts that headed our way, and we, we just really felt all those thoughts. And no comment on the prayer, just we felt the thoughts, and the thoughts are really helpful. And I was like, how? Did, how? How was that helpful? If, 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 yeah, yeah, well, in fact, before I know you're dying to say something, before I, but, but think about this like, I, I've never been appreciative of somebody's thoughts unless those thoughts turn to something else, you know what I'm saying. Sort of. It's kind of nice. But at the end of it, like if I, if I was like on the side of the road and, and I had a flat tire and they were like, well, we were thinking of you. I'm like, well, why didn't you have you new? Why didn't you come out and help me? <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of like uh, those, those statements with uh, Jesus when he's talking about uh, if, as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brother. What, what's that one group they say? They go, uh, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But they don't do anything. Suddenly, that, yep, they were thinking, but there wasn't anything. And, and sometimes, now, thought, if thoughts like turn to, hey, I, I was thinking about this this week, and I just I was praying for you. That, that's meaningful, right. right? Andrew, you're dying to say something. Gotcha. <laughs> like, like, I mean, Those things don't go together. Yeah. Yeah. That's not okay um, unless we're unless we are in, intentionally doing this in a way to be able to say politically correctly. I mean, and that's what it comes down to. Yeah. That word is now the politically correct word to say instead of prayer. Yeah. And we have an innate desire to be prayed for because mm-hmm. there's a part of us 
that knows something that, that bigger that, than yeah. And that prayers work. Mm-hmm. Because every time my atheist coworkers have bad things happen, they ask me and Scott to pray. Yeah, that's so true. And they ask for people to continue to pray uh-huh. and, to, and to think about them because they know it works. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Because they have an innate understanding, an internal understanding that God is real. Mm-hmm. And it isn't until you you know you want to remove this from from all like religion. Well, now just the whole concept of praying or thinking about somebody. Well, that's actually offensive. I mean, that would actually be canceled. Do you see that guy looking at that guy or that? Yeah. I don't know. They might think you're weird, though. I mean, when Josiah, when Josiah is sleeping late in the morning and Charity comes in and like, sweet baby, that's creepy. Uh, candy. Yeah, yeah. Good vibe. Yeah. I, when people do that, I'm like, I, I, I try to be nice. I don't want to be a jerk, but every once in a while I just want to go, I didn't feel it at all. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. God, God is... Be- not, to, not to go political, but there's that candidate... Vivek Rama Swamy, Rama Swami. I don't know what his name is. He he'll say things about God. We believe in God. I believe in God. He's not talking about. He's he's Hindu, from what I can tell. You read up on him. He, he's not talk. He's not. That's the same word, but it means something different, right? It's it's that that word gets thrown out there. I'm pretty sure when you've got some of these musicians that win awards for some of the horrendously evil songs they've been singing, and they go, I just want to thank God, I'm pretty sure who they're thanking is not the God of the Bible because he would not approve of those things. And so I, I think that when we hear that, we, it's like, and even like, the, so I think you're right. I think some of that stuff, like they're, they're saying some of those words, but I don't think it means what they think that it means, not to go into... <laughs> Princess Bride territory, but I will say, like the most, the most impactful people for me, you know, like pretty much all my life, but you know, during challenges and stuff, will where they will, you know, work together and they'll say, "Do you mind if I pray with you?" Yes. I mean, you know, at first, I, like at first, I was uncomfortable with it, mm-hmm. but then after a while, and like I said, it's only been, you know, like just a few people, just a handful of people. But when they said that, I, you know, afterwards I was like, wow, that, mm-hmm. you know, that was like intense. You know, it was very, uh, yeah, yeah, it's really good because not a lot of people will do that because they're putting themselves out there big time. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe Did you have about a... it too. Okay, Todd. I think, I think uh, what I'm hearing is, and what we're reading is that there's action involved. Mm-hmm. Society now and for a long time is. I've been thinking about it. If 
I'm even praying for you, but are you really? Like, it's a, it sounds good. Yeah. You know, I text my dad, hey, I've been thinking about you all week, and that, yeah, that's probably praying too, but, mm-hmm. you know, how hard is it to pick up a phone call? Yeah. Um, and I think that's where we've lost some of that, is there's no action backing up our thoughts. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like instead of a passive, not not that there are bad intentions there, or mm-hmm. no desire to do that, but we've just gone away from just doing it. Like, and that's the advantage of being here mm-hmm. with your church body is that you're together, you're praying together, you're worshiping together, you're engaged in action. Yeah. But again, when we leave, does that action stop? Are we following through? Yeah. Now, I, I want to hear all these, but there's something I really want to get to. Um, because we're, we're, we're dabbling on the border of something that's really important that he talks about next. And, and we're going to talk about it because, and I'll, I'll still go ahead and take, I know Norma wanted to say something. Andrew, you're going to say something. Mm-hmm. Which is why our praise and testimony time gets to be really important to have all those opportunities to do that, right. even though we're not doing it today. So I want to I want to I want to jump to this next part because if you thought if you thought that part was interesting, wait till we get the next part here because it shifts gears and it says there's a third thing he brings up is anyone among you sick? And this is this is specifically talking about an illness of some sort, and it it says it well the thought then is from the rest of it sick enough you can't even go to church, right? Because what do they have to do? Summon the called the elders, right? So this is someone that's really sick. Um, not that if you're a little sick, you don't also, you couldn't also do this. But a couple things here. First, elders is the Greek word presbyteros, right? Where we get Presbyterian, the word Presbyterian from. It's elders. It was a 
synagogue normally, in fact, I got a couple references, synagogue leaders like Matthew 15, 2, Matthew 26, 3, Luke 22, 52. Those are elders of the synagogue. It was an elder in the synagogue role. And one of the things that we learn is that as the church became God's key focus, some of those synagogue things carried over in the way things were handled. And one of those roles, this is talking about a very specific role that you see other places in the Bible of elder, right? We use terms to refer to the elders of the church. We call them elders. This isn't elders, right? It's not talking about the elders of the church. It's talking about a role that people are filling. The elders of the church, we, talk, we, we use word, What words did we use instead of saying elder most often? Pastors, right? Um, uh, preacher, pastor, you know. My mother-in-law, she doesn't say pastor, she says preacher, you know. Uh, it, but these are those roles, and it, but it's a very specific biblical role that is filled, okay? So we're, we're talking about, this is why I mentioned this community piece earlier. He shifts into this, and he's talking about a very specific, hey, call these, not just anybody, right? Not just anybody. Let, let me point out a couple other things. Um, I'm going to read this part here. Uh, this came from Ben Witherton. He said, The sick person is not to send for any members of the congregation, but for certain ones who hold a definite and apparently an official position. If any Christian should dis- discharge the function in question, St. James would not have given the sick person the trouble of summoning the elders rather than those people who uh, chance to be near at hand. Now, it's not saying, obviously, that you, you, I may not call another believer, hey, could you be praying for me for this? Or, yeah, could you be praying for me? But this is a very specific, it's a very intentional thing. If you have a serious illness, one of the things you ought to do is this thing, okay? Uh, notice a couple other things. I'll point out some other things, then we'll turn into discussion. Notice first that this is a problem. You might go, what's the big deal? So when Christ stepped into the scene, that... Sick people were not being sick by, you're healed, right? You're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. Oh, and touch his garment, healed, (laughs) right? There was a very specific breaking into the world of miraculous healing by our Messiah and by his immediate followers, But you see in church history that that begins to taper off. Now, this is one of the earliest letters that was written, James. And you see already that James doesn't say, if anyone's among you sick, get get an apostle. Right? They'll come and fix it. That's not what is said, is it? It's also not said, go get the elders so that they can touch you and you'll be cured like that. Does it say that? In fact, the emphasis is on the pray, isn't it? In fact, let me talk about this anointing with oil. <clears throat> I've got a bunch of references. There's one from the Bible, Isaiah 1.6, but then there's a bunch of historical references from like writings of Josephus and Pliny the Elder and a bunch of these other ones where <clears throat> an anointing with oil, there's a couple different ways it was used. One was ceremonial, like you're a king, we're going to anoint you with oil, right? <clears throat> there's other cases in history where oils were used like a medicine, a medicinal use, okay? And so it could be symbolic, like anointing a king, or it could be something different, like, in fact, uh, 
Ben Witherington, in his footnotes, he shared his favorite one. And it was, at first I thought he was being serious, but I realized he was being silly about it. There was this one he, he shared, I think it was from one of the writings of Josephus, where there was this guy, and he, he, he was having hair, suffering from hair loss, and he was supposed to take this oil and mix it with this, and then add this, and there's some wine involved, and it was mixed together, so it was, and it talked about the consistency it should be, and then they're supposed to apply it uh, in the morning and at night to the, the places on their head that's going bald, and uh, it was meant to be a, a, a cure for male pattern baldness, right? Um, now... <clears throat> Here's the thing. He also adds in there, he says, um, possibly, but without some indication in the text, the reference should be taken as a medicinal act. One might have expected the verb, and he uh, includes this Greek verb that means to anoint here, if a symbolic act was meant. In other words, he's saying, typically, when it's a symbolic act of anointing, it's, it's, they use this verb to say it this way, you, or you are to anoint them. And it's not phrased that way. It's phrased in a way that's typically done medicinally. So, now he doesn't say this, but I thought, well, if that's the case, instead of putting all this big emphasis on the the anointing oil piece, what if James is basically saying something like this? Have the elders come and pray and take your ibuprofen in the name of the Lord. Right? If that anointing with oil is they would have heard that as a medicinal thing. You're sick, one of the things you do this anointing with oil. That was a typical thing that they did. Physicians would use, they would use, it was a remedy. Could it be possible that maybe we could read it and that would, to read it the way I just said it, might feel more the way they would have heard it. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. Because what does it say? The sick person, what does it say? Where'd it go? I lost my place. Um... Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Right? If anyone among you is sick, have the elders come and pray, and you can take your ibuprofen in the name of the Lord. Now, I may be stretching it a little bit, (laughs) but what stuck out to me was that this anointing with oil, sometimes I look at that, in fact, when I first studied this, I went out and bought some anointing oil. I wouldn't have a problem if somebody said, could you come and pray for me and anoint me with oil? I'd be, absolutely, in that symbolic way. Is there room for maybe this is symbolic, a symbolic anointing of oil? Sure, there's room for that. I'm not saying that's not true. I don't know. I, there's not a lot, whole lot to go on, is there? <laughs> I mean, I, there's not a whole lot to build. I can't build a whole, which is why... When people build these entire, in fact, the oil that I got was a specially Christian-made um, for the purposes of anointing for healing oil. The website's like, get this little from Israel, made with olives from, you know. And I was like, what, whatever, that's kind of cool. But, but people build entire concepts based on this passing comment. Does that make sense? Maybe... What if, when James said this, the way they would have heard it would not have been this mystical thing, but actually something just very mundane? And if it is mundane, isn't it awesome that there's, it's still tacked on to the end of it in the name of the Lord? So, man, I got a headache. Grab that Tylenol. And not just taking it, but taking it in the name of the Lord. Lord, thank you that you've blessed us with this discovery. 
you know, take this. It's going to relieve this thing here, relieve a fever. You know, I know Tylenol is great at re- bringing fevers down, especially you got, we're like little kids, right? Running that high fever, and you're like, what do we do? And one of the things, get the, get the Tylenol, the liquid. Isn't that, what a blessing that is. What if instead of just thinking mystically, Lord, I pray that you would heal them. I pray that you would use this right now in them to bring this fever down. Right? I say that about my meds. You know, yeah. I never liked to take medicines. I was always like, oh, I don't need medicines. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just always fought it forever. And then, um, especially like blood pressure and cholesterol and, you know, and then now some other type meds. Yeah. But at this point, you know, I praise God that he um, gave us, you know, Yeah. You know, and so, because um, I don't like taking them. Yeah. But um, I need them, mm-hmm. you know, and so I do thank God for them. Because um, I might be, <laughs> I might be a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, anybody else? Thoughts on, thoughts on this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's, there's a resurgence of leprosy in Florida going on right now. People are getting it. I thought, saw that in the news the other day. I was like, what in the world? I think, there's, I think there's other ways. Leprosy in the Bible covered any type of skin condition. So there's something specific that we call leprosy. But when I've read and studied, like, like especially through the New Testament, it says this person was leprous this way, or like in the Old Testament, it's talking about these things. And you see that because... The priest, as they were to evaluate, if it's this way, it's this kind of leprous disease. If it's not, then this. And sometimes people were just got over it, you know. Sometimes they didn't. And so there was all these things going along with it. But leprosy in the Bible is a word that kind of has a bigger umbrella covering of a lot of different skin conditions. But I think, I'm not for sure, but I think that most leprosy was spread kind of like the black, or the, was it black death was spread through rodents and things. And so as one of the things that overall cleaned up that issue was cleanliness of society, right? And you saw a decrease in those things. But obviously when Christ was there, if somebody had it, he was able to just say, you're clean, like that. The apostles, many of them, were, had that given to them. But what, what's interesting about that is that you don't see, like when you pick up the Bible and you go through the whole thing, some people act like, man, there are people being healed left right. No, there's thousands of years of time, and most of it, none of that's happening. When you usually see miraculous things is usually in connection with God revealing something new that hadn't been revealed before. Moses, tons of miraculous things. The law was given, right? And you see that throughout the Old Testament. So you would expect, actually, when... The word in flesh, right? God becomes flesh and is revealed to the world. You ought to expect all kinds of miraculous things, supernatural things breaking through, not just because of that, but to validate the message, which Jesus, you go, well, is that really the case? Yeah. Um, Jesus actually says that at one time. He says, he, he tells some people one time, he goes, if you don't believe me, b- believe the works. He actually says that, <laughs> Right? 
If you don't believe me, at least believe the works. Can you not see these things? I mean, it was meant to validate this message, right? It was meant to validate his role. And so now I'm not, I'm not on the other end of the spectrum where um, there's some, they, and they have fancy theological terms for this. Um, they call it cessationist to non-cessationist. Cessationist, like absolutely nothing like that ever goes on anymore, ever. It's done. I want to tell you, I'm not there either. Okay, but I'm, I'm not there, not because, see, some people go, well, I'm not there because, and then they start listing off experiences, okay? I'm not going to say that. I, I, don't, I try to base none of my theology on experience, but all on what the text says. And what I can't say, I can't go over here and say, there's, in, there's no point where it absolutely, without a doubt, says all these things stop completely. Some people like to use that passage in 1 Corinthians 13, I don't think that's what that's talking about. I don't think we could base anything. You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Knowledge shall fail. For no important prophecy I'm part. When that which is perfect is come, and that which is in part shall be done away. And they would say, well, that which is perfect is the, the written word. I'm like, I don't think so. I think the perfect thing is when Jesus returns, right? Um, but that's, that's debatable. So I can't use that absolutely. So I'm not over here, but I definitely am not over here where you see some people like, in fact, where this usually goes wrong over here is then if somebody's sick, and this is where we have to go next in James, if somebody's sick, we go, what'd you do? That turns into a whole new problem, doesn't it? The disciples even say that one time, they look at this blind man, they go, who sinned? <laughs> Him, hers parents, who did it? Jesus like, neither. This this happened so that God may be glorified. I mean, he was blind his whole life just for the glory of God. Yep. Ow. Right? Andrew, what were you going to say? I think it might derail us. Huh? I think it might derail us. Well, can, let, can I at least mention this last part? Because it goes right in connection, and then you can derail us. Okay. I don't mind be de being derailed, but... Uh, I really want to hit this next part because it goes right in connection with it. I mean, look at verse 15. You guys, look at verse 15. Read it in your heads real quick. Hmm. Well, gosh, that sure sounds like... Okay, let's talk about this. Ben Witherington says about it, he says, this indicates that a prayer, in order to be useful... And this is from this part and some of the things that he says next. But let's just focus on the first few words, a prayer of faith. So starting off already, so he, he emphasizes that first. That the prayer that is offered has to be out of a person's faith posture, trusting in God. Which means, I'm not recommending this, but when you have somebody that doesn't trust Jesus at all, and they go, I'm praying for you, um, you could be like, why? <laughs> no, I'm not suggesting that. Don't do that. That's rude. I don't know. Maybe you should. Yeah. 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 I mean, if, if somebody's refusing to be trusting in God for, in, their, in the obedience of their life, I mean, this is clearly connecting these things together, right? The, the sort of prayers, in fact, he goes on after this. He talks about, he brings up Elijah. 
And, and he, he kind of deals with it from another perspective to say, well, it's, you don't have to be perfect. The other end is not true. Elijah was a person with a nature like ours is what he says next. He's just a guy like us, right? But this prayer, this effective prayer comes from people of faith, okay? So there's this faith. It, it will save the one who is sick. Now, I, I don't think that he's saying, like, they're lost and they need to get saved. And that I, I think he is talking about many times a prayer of faith. So somebody's sick on their deathbed, potentially. Many times you have this. They come and they pray. And the thing about a prayer of faith is it's probably not a prayer that believes. It's not just saying a specific thing. It's a prayer that says, God, you're in control. We commit this person into your hands right? That's a prayer of faith. Not, not determining what God... Now, could there be times where God possibly reveals to somebody, no, they're gonna, this is, this is going to turn to this. Sure. That's not happened with me. I've, I've never had a time where like, I went to pray for somebody and I knew exactly what God was going to do. Usually, I have no idea what God is going to do. But I know he's good, and so I pray that way. My prayer of faith. And I've seen some people that we thought... And they're not going to pull through? They did. We've seen some people, we thought they're not going to pull through, and they didn't. And God was good. And the prayer of faith was answered, right? But James is talking about, there's times where this prayer will lead to the this, this saving of some, like somebody will get better. That's what he's talking, that is what he's talking about. I'm not going to deny that, right? That can happen. But we can't go, in fact, this Lord will raise him up. It's not talking about on the resurrection day. They say, somebody's laying there sick. The elders come, they're praying for him. And this person could be raised up by the Lord, right here in, in the here and now, right? And I know there's some people that are trying, wanting to say, one more second, okay? Um, that thing is there. But, but notice this, this last little part, if he has committed sins, I don't think that's meant to be, and I don't know, do you guys okay with me saying, I don't think, that's my way of saying, this is vague. Some of this is vague. Now, there's some, clearly some things I go, it can't mean these things. But, so I, I lean into, I think it means, okay? I, I don't think it's saying that this person was sick because of sin. Now, I can't say absolutely that that's not possible in this. I'm just going to tell you, there's room for that in the way it's phrased. I don't think that's primarily what it's saying. I think it's primarily saying this. I'm sitting here. I'm sick. I call for the elders. But I'm sitting here thinking to myself, there's no way God would ever answer my prayers because I've been a wretched sinner. I think that this verse is for that person. If you've committed sins, that's right there. You'll be forgiven. That's not going to be the issue in whether or not God heals you right now. Right? I think that's what he's talking about. So nobody has to come at this and go, well, I, I can't, I'm a sinner. I've been sinning. If they, in that moment, if that sickness brings them to the place where they're like, Lord, I need to be calling out to you, and they do, James wants them to know, you are forgiven, my friend. Cry out to him, right? Okay, now I know there was a bunch of people chomping at the bit, so, so comments, comments, comments. Kevin, I think you had your... Started to. Oh, okay. It could. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah. 
It absolutely could. That's, and that's why I threw that in there. It's like it, I can't say flat out that's not a possibility. That does happen in the Bible. Sometimes people get sick because of what they've done, right? Sometimes very clearly, like direct connection, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I like I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Any other? I'm almost out of time, so I want to hit the last couple verses. Verse 16. Therefore. Right. Therefore, ooh, this one's hard. It's a command. Something we ought to be doing. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, right? That you may be healed. Is this healing talking about spiritual healing? Is it talking about physical healing? Is it talking about both? I have no idea. I lean towards both. Potentially both. Maybe it's this. Maybe sometimes it's this one. Maybe sometimes it's this one. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I think that we hear this, though, and we want to wrestle with some of those things, but let's start off with the part that we do know what it means. Confess your sins to one another. This one's tough. I know that in our culture, being too being Open and honest and authentic is good. Being too open and honest and authentic is uncomfortable, <laughs> right? Whoa, a little bit too much openness there, my friend. <laughs> but there ought to be within the community at various levels. I'm not going to say it's always at this level, always at this level, but in a community there are, at various levels, there ought to be a confession of sin. And the word confess means to agree with, agreeing with God about sin. I mean, amongst us as believers, there should be, that should be a part of, and I, I do love that at this church, I feel like, not perfectly, but it has been a part of it to different degrees. Um, people willing to say, I've been struggling with this, I've been dealing with this, I've, I've had a hard time with this, I've been working on this, whether it's publicly and during praise and testimony time, or it's just sitting with me talking. My favorite one I'll never forget is Jim Cook. Um, and he has not been able to be here for so long, but my favorite one, I know some of you heard this story a hundred times, favorite one was during praise and testimony time, that one time, mom already knows what I'm getting ready to say, he he raised his hand, and I said, yeah, and he goes, I just want to praise God, because I went out and bought some marijuana, and and I didn't smoke it, (laughs) and he goes, and I didn't sell it back to the dealer, 
I just flushed it. And we went, praise Jesus. <laughs> I loved that. I could, I'll never, as long as I live, I will never forget that. Be- because not just the joy in his face that he was excited about that. That was a big part of it. But also because he felt he could share that. And we wouldn't be like, ugh, you know. We'd be that, and then we didn't. I was so happy because I'm sitting up here. And nobody, nobody in here was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe he. Everybody's like, that's awesome, you know. Um, I'm pretty sure a couple people were like, I didn't. <laughs> but it, 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 that, that openness and honesty to be able to, to confess sin was, was awesome. I, that's, it's a hard thing to make happen. I can't make it happen. You can't make it happen. We can do it as much as we can, but a good community, I think, does that. Um, all right. I'm going to say that last two verses I already kind of referenced, and I, we don't have time to really talk about it, but he was a man like us, right? Elijah was a man like us. So all of these things we're talking about, don't let your mind think this is for a select few. Elijah, just like us, this is what he did. God did amazing things. Um, comments before I... You want to derail still, don't you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're called elders because of, of passages like this. So there's, there's some words that are interchangeable in the Bible. There's presbyteros, which is translated elders. There's um, the one that sounds like bishops, which is usually translated, Andrew, do you remember? No, pastor's the one that's shepherd. There's the other one, elders, pastor, is only used once. Overseer, that's what it is. Um, the, the word that's translated overseer it, it looks like the Greek word. It looks like our word for bishop. So you have these, and they're used interchangeably. So most Bible scholars say this is one position in the church, one role in the church, the elders of the church. So at our church, we have two elders currently, Paul and I. Um, Timothy and Titus both have requirements, um, qualifications for elders. The other biblical role that I think that a church ought to have is what is known as deacons. Yeah, De- deacons are not elders, deacons are the servants of the church. Um, could there be various ways that this is played out at different churches? Sure, I don't, I don't think that, but, but that's one of the, the great things about it is that the way God lays out, here's how a church should be, there's flexibility culturally. You know, The one thing that I've pushed for since I've been here, just since you brought it up, every time it talks about elders in the church, it's always plural, elders. And one of the things I think that has gone sour in so many of our churches today is when you got the one pastor. And biblical churches were not like that. They had elders. They had a plur- they called a plurality of elders. And there's such a great benefit for that. So I'm always got my eye open, like, Lord, let's you know we that it shouldn't just be me. Um, it shouldn't you know. And you see a lot of churches crumble when you have it depending on one guy in a couple of different ways. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. So, um, oh my word, they're all looking at me now. (laughs) Okay, okay, I'm done, I'm done. You guys are dismissed.